Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So grateful to be with you, Our Savior's Church, every location. What's up? How y'all doing? It's your beige little nephew in a row. Grateful to be here with you, not alone. I've got my beautiful wife here, Lorna, with me. Get, babe, can, can you stand up and just wave at the people? Just give them a little wave. Hey. Yeah. Grateful for you, babe. Love you. We also left our four boys at home because we wanted to enjoy this weekend and remember it. <laughs> Uh, it'd be enjoyable, but we wouldn't remember it. And they're actually at home with a, a girl that we love. But this is Canaan. Um, he's the oldest. He's holding Banner. He's the youngest. And so you can see Banner's trying to establish his position uh, in the group. And then Lawson is there in the red and Navy's in the orange. Those are our guys. We love those guys. They're awesome. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful here from Houston, Texas. We came here for the very first time five years ago, and you guys have long forgotten about this, but there was a ridiculous freeze. Now, I grew up in Michigan, so snow is like a party, but y'all shut the place down. <laughs> like, literally, it was spiritual renewal conference. People were being renewed at home <laughs> because no one would drive on the streets. So we got to actually just hang out with Pastor Jacob and Michelle, and we were just chilling and eating all sorts of amazing meals and food together. And we immediately just connected over the church. And I have rarely met individuals who truly love people as deeply as your pastor and pastor's wife. So grateful for that. You can do a little better than that. They're amazing. Love them so much. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here. And uh, I love being at church on a Sunday. This is our third service. So, I mean, no judgment, but people were here at 745 this morning. <sighs> it was a great service. We loved it. And uh, it was wonderful. I, I, I've been in a thousand church services. I've been in a thousand camp meetings, been in a thousand conferences. But I just love the church. I, I really love it. I love the church. The church absolutely changed my life. It was a Saturday afternoon when my dad came in the door and ruined my weekend plans. I was nine years old. And I was prepping my rollerblades for street hockey in the morning. And he said, Ren, which he can call me that, y'all can't. Ren, we're going to church on Sunday. I was like, Dad, I got plans, bro. There's no way I'm going to church on Sunday. He said, well, we're going to go to the mall today and get you some new, new clothes. I said, what time does it start? Because <laughs> your boy love an outfit. You know what I'm saying? Some people put on clothes. I put on fits. You feel me? I be throwing fits like a toddler. 
So we went to the mall, you know, J.C. Penney before the rebrand, and uh, went in there. Got my little my little navy blue blazer with the gold buttons. <laughs> Feel me? And I had my creased khakis, and they were creased. Like I could have taken them off and stood them up, and they would have just been standing there. So my dad was all about those creases. But we went to church. That next morning, walked into the back of a little Pentecostal church. We were the only people of color in the room, about 50 people in this little Pentecostal church, which is why I get hype during praise and worship and do jumping jacks. You're lucky I didn't run. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't run. Um, So we're, we're in the back of this little church, and it didn't seem to bother my dad that we stood out a little bit and... So it didn't bother me. And we were so loved by those people. As a matter of fact, later on, one of the elders of the church approached my dad some years later and said, you're the first black man that I've ever hugged. And so we stayed and we were committed. There were plenty of reasons at times to step away, but we just loved the church. My dad made the most game-changing decision for our family that day when he decided to take me to church. He had been dealing with his own issues. He, in the span of two years, he lost his son, which would have been my older brother, his older sister, and his dad. And then I came along trying to love my mom. Didn't work out. They were separated and divorced. And so up until that point, all I knew was brokenness inconsistency. My parents tried to love me so well, and they did, but there was no stability really in the home. But I found something at the church that I didn't realize I had been missing all along. That summer, I went to church camp. Now, y'all got bougie church camp, okay? Some of y'all went to church camp. You had roller coasters, go-karts, different various flavors of slushies and snow cones. You got mani-pedis after morning prayer time, grabbed a frappuccino from the cafeteria, called it a day. I'm exhausted. Camp's exhausting. But for me, it was basketball, sweat, and altar calls. So we would go from the basketball court into the big church word tabernacle, And we would pray, and they'd rub oil on us. and It was unbelievable, though, seriously. And in one of those altar calls, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Felt something I'd never felt before, the presence of God in my life. And that same week as well, I got my first solo in the camp choir. So my salvation was accomplished And my gift was discovered. And I realized for the first time singing that solo to those campers on a Friday night, what it felt like to have my soul aligned with a gift in service of the giver for the ministry of the church. My soul aligned with the gift given back to the giver for the ministry of the church. That was 27 years ago, and I've never looked back. Been imperfect, 
made mistakes, struggled through it, but God's grace has always met me. And I still love the church. I still love it. Even though when Lorna and I got married, half of the church left because they disagreed with interracial marriage. I still loved the church. Couldn't keep me away from the church. I've seen the shadow side of church. I've experienced it. I've seen friends walk away from the church. I've seen headlines that have broken my heart. I've been bruised by believers. I've been shocked by the politics that exist and orbit around the church. I've been stunned by people's reactions and mindsets and missteps by the church, and I still don't understand how some people can claim to carry the cross of Jesus Christ and still have energy to hurl stones of insult and character assassination to their brothers and sisters. I don't understand it, but I still love the church. The church has outlived empires and philosophical systems and persecution and even sabotages from within it. I love the church because I love to win. And my scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church won't fail because Jesus doesn't fail and the church belongs to him. So I'm grateful to be on the winning side today. I still love the church. Oh, I've got a preponderance of evidence for you today. The church is not a a political platform. It's a people that God uses to showcase his grace. The church is not a museum filled with ancient relics of what God used to do. It's a movement of selfless followers who have given their lives, their heart, their soul, their mission to advancing the gospel in the earth. The church is not a showroom for pretty perfect people. It's a hospital for the broken, the depressed, the desperate, the destitute. Church is not something we just do on Sunday to check something off the list. It's not an empty ritualistic custom. It's the living, breathing, beautiful bride of Christ. The church is not the equivalent of the standard nonprofit. They're good. They're necessary. God uses them. But God's plan A to rob hell and fill heaven is you. It's the church. The church is the imperfect amplifier of truth, justice, and the sovereignty of God. The love of Jesus on display, a symbol of grace and a conduit of mercy. The place where the lonely find family, the hurting find healing. And the captive finds freedom. I still love the church. The church is not dead, asleep, atrophied, impaired. No, the church is alive. And I can look around this room this morning and realize that the church is alive and active in the earth today. There are a lot of people lining up for a lot of different things, but to see the streets filled with cars because you're wanting to come to church is unique. It's different. It's compelling. I I love the church because Jesus loves the church. The church belongs to him. It is God's dream that he would have a people 
called out by his name for himself. That makes me not want to build my life on my dreams, my ambitions, my aspirations. I want to be a part of God's dream, what God's doing, where he's already moving. And since the initiation of the church in the book of Acts, he's been using the church to fulfill his purpose. I want to be a part of that. I love the church because there are ways that God uses the church to bring us into his presence. Ephesians says that we, the church, are being built together as a dwelling place for God. So God's presence is the promise of the gathered church. You need God to intervene. You need God to get close. You want God to come into every detail of your life? Get together with other believers because he'll be there in your very midst. I still love the church because God uses the church to connect us to our purpose. There's a lot of things he could use, but he's chosen to use the church to distribute his love his mercy for people to be discovered, developed, and distributed. I believe that the church should be the greatest source of people mining their own God-given identity, gifts, skill set, and purpose. Not any other sphere in society, but we start in the church, we discover our gifts, and then we carry them out into the world. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians, through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, that's you, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God, which is the redemption of humankind, is becoming known and talked about even among angels. Heaven sits around and talks about the church. I want to be on heaven's topic of conversation. It's in this thing called the church that we find the place where our soul is aligned with the gift in service of the giver ministering to his people. So many times we try to find a way to fit church into our lives when we ought to be asking, how do I fit my life into the church? When Pastor Jacob and I sat down together five years ago over some Cajun dish I can't pronounce, he asked me, Torrin, are you called the pastor? Yes. I said, I've actually always dreamed about planting a church. He said, I love church planters. I love planting churches. We've planted churches. So when you plant your church, I'm going to help you. I said, yes, sir. He's like, when, when are you thinking about doing it? You know, you can't just be a 55-year-old worship leader. I was like, oh, snap. I hadn't thought that far. 
He said, you got to do it. I was like, well, you know, when the time is right, we'll, we'll do it. We'll let you know. Now, let me tell you something, OSC family. I, I've been able, by the grace of God, to come in contact with some of the greatest voices in the world, some of the most influential communicators in the world. And they have their measure of influence and all of that. But your pastor is different. Because it wasn't just a transaction of ministry. Come in, sing your little song, pat you on the head, good luck. There was a deeper connection, a belief. He called something out in me that I questionably had perceived in myself. And then he called me and texted me and prayed for me over the course of the next five years. He would get on the phone. How you doing? What's happening? How's your family? How's Lorna? How's your kids? Just digging in, praying for me. Praying for myself and Lorna. But at the end of every conversation, he'd say, when we plant in that church. I said, not yet, pastor. I'm scared. <laughs> Things are going okay. We're doing good. Phone call. When we plant in that church. Not today, Bishop. Just waiting for God's timing. Start running out of excuses. I... Then a month ago, I texted your pastor and I said, it's time. He immediately picked up the phone and called me. I'm so excited for you. We knew this day was coming. I prophesied it over your life. It's going to be amazing. You're going to do great things. Where are we going? <laughs> I said, we're going to North Austin. And he said, I'm going to help you plant your church. And so today, with great excitement and the appropriate amount of fear. <laughs> I get to announce to the Our Savior's Church family that my wife and I will be moving from Houston to Austin, Texas to plant Church of Whitestone in January of 2024. Woo! We're stepping out in faith. We're counting on God to do it. Come on, would you give him praise like it was your own life, like it was your own calling for what you believe that he could do? Thank you, Jesus. Lorna, come on up, baby. Will you come with him? Come on. We are so excited. I'm going to tell you, as, as, uh, as Torin said, Michelle and I have been doing this a long time. Um. Next year will be 50 years that we've been, I've been preaching. And I want to tell you what's so precious. When you meet people with God's hand on their life that truly do it for all the right reasons. This man has opened up for Mariah Carey and Lionel Richie. Okay, I mean, just, just, God has given him everything anybody in that sphere would ever want but he knew he wanted something that was much bigger and much more eternal. And Torn, I said it last service, and Lorna, everything that's good about ministry is you. 
You're humble. You're gracious. You're kind. You're not impressed with yourself. And I know Lorna's helped you not be impressed with yourself. As a pastor's daughter, you've, you've seen it all. And as I look at y'all and I look at your children, of course, we have five boys. And I think when we planted this church, they were small. Now three of them are pastors. And Amberly Grace, our daughter, a missionary, and now on staff with us. I wonder what's inside those boys. I wonder what call of God God is awakening inside of them as they get an opportunity to generationally prove that the sacrifice of your father and of your father and grandfather was worth it and it's eternal. So we are so thrilled to partner with y'all and to begin, we want to pray for you. All of our pastors are here. We've actually never done it. Dr. Scott Adams from Midtown, Pastor Gabe from Broussard, Pastor Don from New Iberia, Pastor Eugenius, and then Pastor Chris, our future pastor in Youngsville. All of them are here. So campuses, join us as we stretch our hands out towards Torrin and Lauren Wells. Let's, let, let's, let's stretch our hands out towards them. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for Lorna and for Torrin. The Bible says that how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. So today we bless these feet as well as these bodies and we commit them to you to fulfill your purpose to Jesus where you said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That they're going to join you in building that which is eternal and never ending. It is your plan A for the salvation of the world. It is the institution you use to empty hell and populate heaven. And today... We bless them now, Lord, with anointing and favor and grace. We call in fish with gold in their mouth, supernatural provision. We call in a building for them, a divine team for them that will surround them. And Lord, we thank you that Ephesians 2.10 says, We are your workmanship recreated in Christ to do good works which you prepared in advance. You knew the moment his daddy said, Saturday's over. Sunday would never be the same for Torrin Wells. And so we bless them with a mantle of pastoring. Each of them, we bless them. And we pray a hedge around each of their precious children. When something is of you, we know that you move sovereignly, but we know that the enemy attacks quietly. So we pray a hedge over them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We charge the angels of the Lord to surround to keep them and guard them. In every way, in Jesus' name, in everybody that loves them. Come on. Today, open that up for me. Today, we want to present you your first preaching Bible. It says, Pastor Torrin Wells. Okay. All right. Now, you may be seated. Now, how many of you know we appreciate all of this because it's all great, but how many of you know you need more than prayer to start a church? So knowing how generous you are, we've already made a pledge before we ever receive offerings at all of our campuses for this church, we've made a pledge of at least $50,000 that we would like to give the first church check ever written to the church of Whitestone. Come on. 
Hold that up, baby. Get in there in the pig. Come on. Stand up and give him a big hand. This is from you. Would you stand up and give a real warm OSC welcome to Tim Tebow? Come on, let him know how much you love him and appreciate him. Heisman Trophy winner, two-time national champion, married. I took Miss Louisiana, you took Miss Universe. One of the things that we are so passionate about is finding good ground to invest in. Each year we do a legacy offering, and those of you, you have till March the 1st to finish yours. Please don't forget. A year ago, we took an offering Timmy and Demi Tebow are building safe houses for women that they are rescuing that have been sex trafficked. They have 16 homes now, 16 more coming, and you gave a seed of $250,000 for them to build one of them. So if you could bring that check today, we want to present this to the Tim Tebow Foundation. Thank you, Timmy, for all you do. We love you. Preach like a man from another planet. <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's no one that knows how to put someone on the spot more than Pastor Jacob. Let, let's just be honest about that. And, and I even reached out to, to Torin and I was like, dude, I'm going to be right down the street in New Orleans doing a pro-life event last night. And they're like, yeah, come on, come on. And, and so I'm just so honored to be here to honestly just uh, support Torin and Pastor Jacob and, and what you guys are doing here at this church. It's just so incredible. Thank you for that incredibly generous gift. Um, that's not to me, but all the girls that will be part of, of rescuing and giving a home and bringing faith, hope, and love to people that are truly in their darkest hour of need. So thank you, church, for, for helping us be a part of that. And thank you for, for being the first to invest in, in Torin in this church. And man, I'm just so... Um, Proud of you. And although, you know, Pastor Jacob's not impressed and he's saying Lauren is not impressed, although I know she is, I'm impressed <laughs> and always have been impressed with you, man, and just love you. So proud of your heart. It, it, dude, it would just be so easy for you to keep doing what you're doing and not risk and not take a chance. But how many lives wouldn't be touched? Because you could stay in comfortable and status quo and keep impacting lives and doing great stuff but never risking more for what you believe you've been called to. And so Pastor Jacob in this church has made the first investment, and me and Demi want to love you and make the second one to be able to su support you. Because we also believe in, in the local church, and we also believe that the, the church is not a building. It's not this building. It's not, the, it's not the place you go to on Sunday. But it is the people. It is the people that you get to go see. It is the people you get to do life with. It is the people that you get to worship with. It is the people that you get to learn from. And then it's also the people that you get to go serve around the world. And that's why it's such an honor to, to be here and to be a part, a small part of of this ministry and a small part of, of Torrance Day. And Pastor Jacob was saying, well, what do you want me to, to share about? And a little bit about the ministry. And I thought, besides share about the ministry, but why we do the ministry. And for us, for, for me and my wife and for 
our foundation, we have five non-negotiables of, of why we do it. And those five non-negotiables start with number one is that we're believers. We're believers in a really big God. We're believers in his son, Jesus. We're believers in what he did on the cross for you and for me. We're believers that there is actually a plan and a purpose for our lives. Like, I know that's like the title of almost every other book that comes out and is, you know, hopefully a bestseller. It's, oh, plan and purpose for your life. But no, we actually believe it. That there is a plan and a purpose for my life and for your life. That we're not here by happenstance or accidents. And we're not just, oh my gosh, wow, you're here. No. It's what Pastor Jacob mentioned is, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his masterpiece creating Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. For we are his workmanship. Listen, I was homeschooled lefty and dyslexic, so I'm like, I don't use the word workmanship, you know? Like, that's just not in my vocabulary. But you know what? That comes from the Greek word poema, which I don't really understand. The master, I don't really understand workmanship, but another way you could translate it is masterpiece is we are his masterpiece in Christ Jesus. Not, not because I'm good, because I'm not. And it's honestly not even because you're good. Even Torrin's really good. He's not good enough. But we're a masterpiece because what Jesus did on the cross and what he did for us, for we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus but it doesn't just end there. We also have good works to do. That, that God wrote about before we were ever born, before we were here. So we do believe there's a plan and a purpose for my life and for our life and for your life and for your kid's life. That there is actually a plan and a purpose. One of the greatest things that my parents did when I was young and growing up is before I'd go to bed, they'd sit on the edge of the bed and say, hey, Timmy, do you know God spared you in your mom's womb for a reason? Do you know God's gonna do something awesome in your life? Do you know God wants to use you? You know when you hear that over and over and over again, you know what happens? You start to believe it. You start to believe it, that wait a second, God really does have a plan. The first non-negotiable for us is that we're believers. And the second non-negotiable is that everyone is an image bearer. Everyone is an image bearer. You See, when you understand that and you realize that I'm an image bearer, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully just means awesome and wonderfully just means unique and set apart. And so we call them the, the seven wonders of the world. And I've had the chance to travel and travel all over the world and see some of the, of the seven wonders of the world. And it's so cool to see them. But why they're so cool to us is because they're so unique and set apart. And we say, wow, those are the seven wonders of the world. But do you know every single one of you are more valuable, more awesome, more unique, more set apart than any of the seven wonders of the world. You see, why that's a non-negotiable is because when we understand that about ourselves, when I understand that about me, and then I understand that about you, then I'll treat you as such. 
Then I'll actually treat you as such. Wait a second. If, if I believe what Jesus did on the cross and that accounted for me, and I understand that you're also an image bearer, that God sent his son Jesus on this earth to rescue? Wow. That means you're so valuable, unique, and set apart. I should treat you as such. No matter who you are, no matter what background, no matter what like or dislike, no matter what team you cheer for, as crazy as that is. <laughs> even, guys, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. Even, no matter what religion. Even that. I still treat you as worthy, as valuable, as loved, as special. When I believe those things, and then I understand how valuable you are. And then you look into the world and you see how many people are hurting, broken, sad, lonely, desperate because they don't know Jesus. And then also, because a lot of people are in terrible situations. What it does is it sets us on course for our third non-negotiable. And that's that we're on a rescue mission. Because first and foremost, that's what Jesus was on for you and for me. Listen, don't get it twisted. There's a lot of reasons why Jesus came. He did some amazing things. But the greatest reason why Jesus came was to rescue me and you from something we couldn't rescue ourselves from. And do you know what's crazy? I, I really do. I find this so freaking crazy. Is once you've been rescued, you're now on the rescue team. Have you ever lived like you're on the rescue team? Have I ever lived like I'm on the rescue team? And you say, Timmy, what do you even mean? What are you talking about? Live like you're on the rescue team. Well, the Bible calls us to be co-laborers on this mission that, that Jesus did all the hard work, but he's given us a mission, the Great Commission, but really it's just a great mission for us to bring into the world. And then as we go, we tell them the good news of Jesus, but that also means that there's a lot of hurting people that we get to help and provide for and love and rescue physically so that Jesus can rescue them spiritually. Did you know that you're on the rescue team? Have you or me ever acted like we're on a rescue team. You see, why we use that, that phrase and those words is because it gives you a sense of urgency. When's the last time you heard of a rescue mission taking place in five years? You don't. When you hear the words and the phrases, it means urgency. It means now. And why do we use those? Because we want to be urgently at work 
getting to those that don't know how much they're loved, that have never heard the good news of Jesus, that have never had the chance to hear how valuable they are. We just had one of our team members who was in Michigan and going through the schools and, and, and teaching them what to look out for and what to say no to and how if they're being abused. And one of the kids comes up to our team members and says, hey, what, what just happened? And she goes through it. Yeah, what you were just talking about? She's, is it, can you explain a little bit more? No, um, that. And he, he was talking about getting raped. And she said, oh, where were you two years ago? This is a kid in second grade. In second grade. And he's saying, where were you two years ago? Because that's what my dad was doing to me. That's why we call it a rescue mission. Because ultimately, what that boy is saying is, Timmy, where were you? Was something else more important? Was something more important for you to do than to care enough about me to come help me in my time of need? That's why we call it a rescue mission. What about the people all over the world that don't have hope because no one's told them about the God man? that loved them so much that gave his life as a payment for theirs. Why don't we? Is it because we, we don't really believe it? Or we don't really believe they're worth it? But I really... I really want to believe it, and I also really want to believe they're worth it. So I want to act. Although so many days I've missed the mark, and I haven't acted soon enough, with enough urgency, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing that with the time that I have, because I don't want to continue to live on my timeline. I want to live on theirs. Every day we don't act, I don't act. It might be one more day, or maybe their last day. That's why we call it a rescue mission. Our fourth non-negotiable is that there's power when we come together. See, so many times I think why people don't come together is because if you come together, then who gets the credit? Who gets the praise? Who gets the glory? The crazy thing is none of those belong to us anyways. You know, there's really only been one time in my life where I've really seen in front of me the, the greater church come together, and that's when Billy Graham came to Jacksonville, Florida when I was a young boy, and all the churches put down everything they were doing, and they all went to the stadium and invited everyone, and it was massive. And then when Billy Graham left, they all went back. I just thought, man, I know I'm, I'm not that smart, and I'm just a young boy, but man, this doesn't seem right. Man, when 
when you, you, you have a really cool jacket, I know you like outfits and, and you like working out and, and, you know, and Pastor Jacob, you, you know, you're just super different. And, and, and you serve in a different way and you're really bold and you know some people aren't as bold and, and you know Pastor Eugene you look a lot like Rob Schneider and, <laughs> and, and you know some people worship in ties and some in coats and some different and it's like man because all of that we're going to be like s- separated but man I, I thought it was I thought it was because of Jesus, and I love what Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ controls and compels us because we have concluded this, concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that all who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. Like, I don't know about you guys, but man, I... I don't want to not get together because you really love outfits and I just try to find the most stretchy pants and comfortable shoes and stretchy shirts possible. I take that over a good outfit all day. Like outfit, I just, does that somewhat go together? Perfect, I'll take it. No, we don't come together because of those things. We come together because the love of Jesus Christ compels us and controls us. Not these ridiculous differences. Oh my gosh. You worship standing up and you're sitting down? What are we talking about? Our fifth non-negotiable is to remember or do not forget. That's why it's so important to be part of a church. That's why it's so important what Torin's doing. Because you know what happens after this? You know what we're going to go do? Go eat, and most of us will probably go watch a football game. We start to forget about church. We start to forget what God was doing in our heart and on our heart right now. And maybe that's why in Deuteronomy, Moses reminds the Israelites 22 times. 22 times times to remember or do not forget like but it was the first time I heard that I was like that can't be real right because look what God did for the Israelites they were in captivity he rescued them with a whole bunch of crazy plagues and just the way it all went down that's nuts and then parted the Red Sea and then they they go through it and you can just imagine like this is nuts right And then they're chasing them. The waters come back and all of a sudden, and so then they start having kids and they're telling their kids, hey, this is so crazy. Look at what God has done for us. And you'd be like, oh man, if my parents told me that and they told me what they had been rescued from. And they said, hey, Timmy, don't forget it. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. There's no way I could forget it. Yes, there is. Hey, Timmy, remember what God did for you when when you were just a young boy and you couldn't sleep because you know you were a sinner and needed a Savior? And so you got up and and you ran to go see your mom and and, and you said, hey, I need Jesus right now. And she was like, okay, let me go get your father. And I said, no, we don't have time. 
And I got on my knees on the west side of Jacksonville and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Remember what God did for you in that moment when I went from old to new and I was adopted into the family of God. Remember and do not forget it. Remember that time when you're in praise and worship and you just knew God was calling you to take that next step. You know, one, I'd say more than one time, but a few times when I was playing sports, you'd get so discouraged because it either wouldn't go your way or you'd see the world talking about you and getting praised by a few and bashed by a lot and whatever, and you'd hear it. And you know what? You'd work so hard at blocking out the noise, and I would work really hard at that. But it still creeps in. It still creeps in. I remember being encouraged. Go back and watch your highlight videos and remember how good you are. Remember, you're good. Have confidence. I remember a few times going back and remembering, watching, and being reminded, I'm good. I can play this game. Ultimately, what does it matter about a game? But man, we do need to be reminded of God's highlight video, of everything that he's done in our life, everything that he's doing in our life. And ultimately, all of those highlights lead us to the cross for the greatest rescue mission of all time. See, I had very few highlights, probably a lot of lowlights. But God's highlight reel is endless. Let's remind ourselves. Let's be in the church, part of a church, worshiping in the church, reading God's word in the church, listening in the church. So we're reminded over and over and over again about the goodness of God so we don't forget. You know, I know many of you in here, I believe many of you in here, you've accepted Jesus into your heart and into your life because you believe what he did on the cross counted for you and, and you believe that Jesus offers you this free gift, meaning you don't have to work for it and you can't pay for it. You can't be good enough for it. In the Bible, it's actually funny because it's redundant. It literally says free gift. A gift is free, but it's probably for people like me where he's like, hey, reminder, it's a free gift. It's redundant. Maybe some of you here are watching at one of the campuses or watching from prison or watching from home. Maybe you've never accepted that free gift that Jesus is offering. But maybe right now, you feel that tug on your heart that you want to accept it. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door and hears my voice, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Maybe you feel God knocking on your heart this morning. 
and you have a choice. You could be like, nah, nah, man, I'm good, I'm good. Like I did many times in my life when I was a boy. Many times my dad would say, hey, Timmy, you just, you heard the sermon. Do you want to go accept Jesus? And I would say, nah, dad, I'm good, I'm good. Until one day I knew I wasn't good. Maybe you've realized this morning you're not good enough. But what Jesus did for you is more than enough. And are you willing to make that choice to open that door and invite him in so you can go from old to new? That masterpiece in Christ Jesus. If that's you, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're seated, when you make that choice, I believe it's the best choice you will ever make in your life the day you say yes to Jesus. So in a moment, I would like to give you the opportunity to do that. I would like to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's just simply us talking to the God of this universe. And I'm gonna ask you, if you're saying, yes, I wanna say yes to Jesus, that you would repeat that prayer after me, knowing that you're not talking to me. You're talking to God. And it's the best decision you'll ever make. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody looking around, let's say yes to Jesus. You repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I put my faith in you. And I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of all that I've done wrong. Thank you for forgiving me and rescuing me. I'm so grateful. I love you and I want to live for you. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, if you just prayed that prayer with me for the first time to put your faith in Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You see, because I want to be able to celebrate with you all of my new brothers and sisters in Christ. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, God loves you. Two, he's got a great plan for your life. Three, would you just raise your hand? With every head bowed and all eyes closed, many hands going up all over the room. You can now put your hands down. If you would look back up here for one moment, there were so many hands that just went up and who knows how many in other locations. But church family, for all of those hands that went up, that's not just a hand raise. It's a life change for eternity. And can we give all of those new brothers and sisters a round of applause?